What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is Friday, March 10th, 2023. As always, I am PK alongside my co-host, Phil. Phil, I got a lot going on over here. Brooke's still not home from work yet, working late. I have all three dogs in this room with the door open. I have a new microphone because the old one, if you listen around like the 53, 54, 55 mark, you heard some static. Yeah, my microphone took a poop. So uh, I don't know when, but she's on her way home. So I'm going to have to shut the door and lock the dogs out briefly during this. So if you hear some background noise that I can't get rid of. I'm not blaming the new mic. I'm blaming the dogs. That's a good thing we haven't gone live yet. You know, the, yes. we can just take a brief pause and uh, handle the dog situation and then carry on with the show. All in post, <laughs> which I think she's actually pulling in now. So we're going to have to do this in post. But before I get into that, remember, you can follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website at buffalosportscollective.com and check for the time breakdowns in the description of the show. Phil, we'll start with the Sabres first Monday and Tuesday games to talk about. Monday, they lost to the Oilers 3-2. to Goals by Skinner and Cousins. Anderson made 34 of 37 saves. Shots were 39 of 37 for the Buffalo Sabres. And then Tuesday, a must win that they needed. They lost 3-2 to uh, goals by Cousins once again. And Ocposo, his first since January 14th. Congrats to him. And a uh, big credit to Greenway. And we'll get that in, out of the way in a second. UPL, 36 of 39 save shots were 39-24 to in favor of the Islanders. And their record is sitting at 32-27-4. and four. Yeah, both games... I mean, as far as just a feeling of both games, you can kind of lump them together. Obviously, both 3-2. Really kind of heartbreaking, disheartening, one-goal games that the Sabres played really well in both. They fought hard really well in both. They didn't get blown out. I think this was, obviously the timing has a large part to do with it as far as pushing for playoffs, but I think these two were the most depressing losses I think we've had the entire season, and it wasn't because... They played awful. It wasn't because, you know, it was a, a last second thing, but just losing two really hard fought games where the Sabres honestly didn't look terrible in either. They played really well, and you lose both of them by one goal in both games or must win situations. It's just very disheartening to see that. It's just a bummer. You, you know that they were trying really hard. You know they played really well and just could not come out on the other end with a victory in either of these. That first one against the Oilers. Honestly, they looked really good. And again, it was a similar team to the Sabres in Edmonton. Both played really well. Both looked pretty good. Both had really good opportunities. And it was just a very neutral game. I mean, you can see by the shots, 39 to 37. Everything was pretty even. The big thing for this one was they do have Connor McDavid and the Sabres don't. He is uh, a true game changer, arguably the best in the entire league right now. So, I mean, it's it's hard to get past him, but at the same time, I thought the Sabres played really well, and this was just a, a unlucky one to lose, but I thought they did a good job. Yeah, I think to talk about your first point really quick, to be a little bit disappointed, it actually f- feels weird to be disappointed at this point because it's been, what, eight, nine, ten years since we've actually gotten up for a game, and... That the Tuesday game, which we'll get into in a second versus the Islanders, I was so excited for that night and so hyped up. I was like, okay, they win. It's a four point swing. They're two game or they're still got two games in hand, two points out, hyped up. And then it kind of let us down when the end result happened. But to be able to be in that position once again to actually feel, hey, this is a meaningful game, it's been a while. But like you said, for the Edmonton game, Connor McDavid's really good at hockey kind of like dane smith's really good at lacrosse he's just they're gonna get theirs i mean skinner played very well making some solid plays for the oilers that skinner Stuart skinner uh i i they sievers just seem to be running into hot goalies recently where no matter what they do the goalie's just standing on his head and it's typically the backups but i thought the team played really good i thought anderson deserved that win i thought the team deserved that win it doesn't mean you will end up winning, which they didn't. But, Phil, the last two wins that this team has had at home where they weren't wearing the goat head was January 19th, the overtime game on Miller Night, and November 2nd. They're 13-18-2 at home. They're, the only other teams that are below 500 at home are Montreal, Philly, and the Blue Jackets. None of those three teams are making the playoffs. 
It's just, I don't understand what is happening at home when this team is in their normal uniforms, but they got to get it figured out either this year or into next year because it's not what should be happening when you're playing on home ice. I believe someone on this podcast had mentioned that the Goathead is not, you know, the greatest Sabres jersey in a uh, Devil's Avocado we might have played. And I, I don't know. I don't know. This year, it, it seems me? like they, uh, yeah, it was you. Okay. It was I, you. I, it all blanks together. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fought for the classic, which was fair. And uh, I did mention that the Goathead's great familiar. and also uh, that they seem to play inspired while wearing it at home this year. And you just, you know, look at that proven point. They're terrible at home without the Goathead jersey with it. They're amazing in general. Awful. I, d- I don't know why they can't play at home and they play better away. I know some people in general in sports and everything, like playing away against the home crowd kind of gets you more riled up. But you would hope that your home fans would make some kind of positive impact on you like Banditland kind of does for the Bandits. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Playing, like you said, they definitely have to turn that around. Playing at home like this is kind of embarrassing to have a less than 500 record at home. I mean, if it was 500 right now or better, then uh, you might be in a little bit better playoff situation. But other than that, I mean, this, this like you said, this game, I mean, Anderson, I thought, I think it was the second McDavid goal or the third goal of the game that it went right between his legs. I think that's one he probably wanted to have back. I know McDavid's really good, but overall Anderson played really well and definitely not going to blame this game by any means on him. He played well. Team played well. It's just it's a very hard fought loss and not one you like to see. Yeah, I guess we can move over to the Islanders game now. Like I said, this was the game I got up for on ESPN Plus. So, you know, there's no recording and watching it later. So this is one of the few games I get to watch live. I made time for it. And uh, it seemed like the Sabres were just the quicker and faster team than the Islanders in the first period. They were just skating circles around them. You could tell, and going into it, you kind of knew what the Islanders' play style was. They're the grinded-out team that you can't make a mistake against them or it's going to cost you. You can't go down early against them or it's going to cost you. And, you know, early on, breakaway save made by UPL just to keep them in it. Second period, beginning of the second period, Sabres were buzzing. They were quicker than the first period. You could tell they really wanted it. The The Skinner forecheck kept the puck alive. Yoki stepped up, caused the turnover. And then the speed Cousins had to see the gap fly through it and wrist it, I, I loved it. I, I, I thought that was the, I mean, I've, I stood up on the couch and cheered. That's the first time in 10 years I've done that to a Sabres team. But him capitalizing on that opportunity and him having the amazing season he's having made this game feel so much more than it was and ended up being but I was so happy to see them jump out to that one nothing lead and then it all just fell apart Phil they uh they let Islanders back in it they seemed slow after that and Islanders kind of just took over and do what they do and just grind it out a game and uh I don't know if you want to talk about the last goal yet or if you got anything else to talk about because uh I got a little bit of a rant a uh, mild rant coming on about the uh, NHL and what is and isn't allowed for a goal. Yeah, I think the unfortunate thing about this game and the Sabres, like you said, they came out really strong and this was a back-to-back for them. It wasn't for the Islanders. Islanders' last game was Saturday. Sabres had just played the night before. I understand. That, I mean, in hockey, it seems to be one of the bigger things that we've noticed is back-to-back games seem to really affect the team on the back-to-back. I know that seems on obvious, the but half of the game right, too. exactly. Like the back half, like you said, rest of the game, the Sabres got dominated and they felt slow. Likely they were exhausted versus an Islanders team coming off of two days of rest, knowing that they have to win this game, knowing it's a major game. Sabres felt the exact same way, pushed as hard as they possibly could, and eventually the wheels just fell off in this game. They still hung in there. Realistically, should that third goal have counted, I'm sure you're going to enjoy getting to it. But at the same time, I don't know, they played really well. Obviously, the shots for not even close, and the shots kind of replicate what I was just saying with a back-to-back, one team on a back-to-back, the other team coming out fresh and fast and looking really good. So, I mean, the Sabres gave everything they could in the first, looked really good, and then all of a sudden, the more the game goes on, the more exhausted they get, and you can just tell the back-to-back in the NHL seems to have a true pretty big effect. I mean... I'd have to go through and look, and I'm sure maybe the stats out there of who, how many times the back-to-back team loses. I wonder if it's even above 500 or where that stat is at. That'd be an interesting one to look into. But it seems to really affect the team 
in the second and third periods. And you saw it in this game, and it just is unfortunate for the Sabres. I mean, we can talk about that, you know, they had an eight-game losing streak, so realistically you win half of those or even a couple of those, and this game doesn't mean quite as much, still quite a lot, but... You know, it all comes back to different things throughout the season, but it just was unfortunate for the Sabres to have this be their back-to-back game and a must-win, keep-your-playoff-hopes-dead-alive, and, you know, they just could not come away with it. But UPL played incredible, kept them in this one for as long as he could. This goals that he gave up, I don't think any of them were really his fault. I mean, that nope. the one in front of the net, even that, I'm not really going to blame him. It stinks that his pad was slightly off the ground, but I think he was kind of half in between hugging the post, half kind of protecting the middle, but at the same time, somebody should have had that player coming off a very strange deflection off power, which is another just freak thing. Again, that's not where the puck was intended to go. It happens in hockey all the time. Not really an excuse, but at the same time, I just don't really think that's on UPL. So out of the three goals they scored on 39 shots, I really don't think UPL was to blame for any of them. I thought he played really well, kept the team in, and it's just, again, a really hard-fought 3-2 loss that is just very unfortunate for the Sabres. Yeah, he's like Anderson in the first game. He definitely deserved to win this one. He played his tail off keeping this team in it, and especially versus an Islanders team like that that crashes the net that they try to get the dirty goals like that. All I mean, the, the second and third goal, I don't know what the defense was doing. I, this is not a team that is great at withstanding injuries and with a team that's growing and building. And when we're talking about like losses and stuff like that, we understand we weren't projecting this team to be in the position they're at. I mean, we were hoping that they would still have meaningful games and that's exactly what they're doing. So they're doing exactly what we hope for into this one. And we understand they're still a growing team, but you can still be critical of a team that's growing where, I mean, I don't know what the record is right now without Samuelson in the lineup, but it's not good. They're still withstanding a, a tuck. Darlene's hurting. So I would like to see what this team looks like at full go. I don't know when Tuck's going to be back. Darlene's still playing hurt. Samuelson's back in the Thursday lineup. You still got Stillman back in the lineup. So the defense cord looks at least back on the ice, not fully healthy, but they're at least back on the ice. But Phil, I, I'll, I'll move on to the the. It was a soccer goal, Phil. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I understand that if you read the rules in the NHL, that goal probably can be allowed. I can read it and understand why they said this goal should be allowed. Because of the way it's written, you can interpret it every other which way you want to. For me, and I love goals, I think... That's a big reason why baseball is getting boring is because it takes too long and, you know, more run scoring. It's either strikeouts or home run balls. That's what baseball is. So hockey, more scoring equals more excitement, at least in my opinion. So this is not me downplaying not having enough goals. I mean, our team, the Buffalo Sabres, is what, third or fourth in the league in goal scoring now? And they're a fun team to watch. For me, though, if the biggest thing that was ticking me off was the announcers that were saying it's not a kicking motion. You can look at every angle. He took his one hand off the stick. He swung his leg out. I know it didn't hit his foot. It hit his shin. That's another reason why I think they called it a goal. But that's a clear and obvious kicking motion. If that's not a kicking motion, Phil, I don't know what is. I mean, I if they want to change the rules and be more definitive and allow that, I'm perfectly fine with it. But the way I'm interpreting the rules is... If it's an intentional kicking motion, and I think that's exactly what it was, I don't think he was, and I know I've heard arguments about people were trying to keep, like knock the puck down. If he was trying to knock the puck down, why did his one hand come off the stick? Because if you're knocking the puck down, you want both hands on your stick to put that rebound away. And I understand there, there should have been defense on that end, and that should have never came down to a kicking motion. There should have been, the, the defense broke down, and there should have been somebody back there. That's why Bryson and uh, Clagg are not in the lineup on Thursday night. But it's just, the it, it was a clear and obvious kicking motion. Nobody can deny that. Nobody can sway it either other way. It was a kicking motion. I just, they either got to change the rules or be more definitive on the wording of it because it's just such an open for interpretation rule kind of like what is a catch i i don't know what a catch is what's pass or what's uh hitting a quarterback i i don't understand these rules they're too open for interpretation you got to have it more locked down again if they want to change the rule and make that a goal perfectly fine with it if they want to keep it just redefine the rule it's just that was a kicking motion and i didn't like it yeah i think it's pretty similar to foot in the crease kind of idea not obviously same magnitude but it's just 
to me, the rule should simply be if your foot is moving forward. I mean, if you're trying yes. to knock a puck down, likely your skate's not turned away from you. If you're trying to knock the puck down, it's likely, you know, turned towards you. So you're knocking it down in front of you, not knocking it down towards farther away from you. That doesn't make any sense as far as knocking a puck down goes. But even in general, if your foot moves forward and it's not a skating motion, if you didn't like if you're not just literally skating up to the, you know, to the net and it just happens to ricochet and run into you, that's fine. But if your foot is in a forward motion, that should essentially just be a kick. I mean, that that is what you are trying to do in that exact moment is move the puck closer to the net in some way. And it's not just you know, deflecting off of you, you are actively moving your leg in a forward motion to put the puck, whether it's in the net or somewhere else, it is still being kicked. And the other thing with this one is that it was ruled not a goal on the ice. So I know that the bandits and the NLL are completely different animals, but we hear in the NLL all the time that because it was called, and even in the NFL, if you want to go much larger organizations, then, you know, it's the call on the field has some kind of dictation. Like You have to have enough evidence to overturn the call. So you're telling me that it was called no goal on the ice, and all of a sudden you have enough evidence, you know, watching that replay to overturn that. That is, I guess, to me, the more frustrating part of the whole thing, that you can tell me that because they said it was no goal on the ice, you had enough evidence saying that it was clearly not a kicking motion you have like no shadow of a doubt that he had no intention to kick that puck into the net that I don't buy for a second. And again, it's not the reason they lost, you know, it comes down to one goal. He said defense has to be on that and all this kind of stuff, but still frustrating that that ends up being the game winning goal. Especially when it's Hudson fashing who used to be on the Sabres and he could contribute to uh, another reason why the Buffalo Sabres could be on another year of no playoffs, but Phil, uh, Let's put this to bed because the Sabres are also losing 3-1 to against the Dallas Stars on Thursday night, and we'll talk about that game on the next show. But the BSC update, you won 9.5-8 to eight in the two games we just talked about. Are you making any changes to your team that uh, currently looks like? And let me pull up your roster so not just you, but the listeners also know exactly what your team looks like. And here it is. You have Thompson, Skinner, Middlestad, Power, and Yoki. I have Tuck, Cousins, Quinn, Darlene, Darlene and Samuelson. Yeah, no, I think we uh, are still still looking pretty good as far as having the top people. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling also. I mean, uh, Olafson, buddy, you uh, you want to do anything on the ice? Anything? Just please. Yeah, which game was that? Was it the Oilers game where Skinner ended up getting the, I think, power play goal after Tate Thompson drew a lot of players to him and the goalie thinking he was going to shoot? He passes it over. Skinner hits it with a one-timer, and watching that yes, play... Yeah was about as depressing as it could possibly be for Olsen, who is in his prime spot where he always is standing right behind Skinner, watching Skinner put in a goal that he scores, I mean, what, over half of his goals as a Just professional a mine, hockey player? That is, Yeah, it is his number one goal, number one spot on the power play, and Skinner just is right in front of him and takes away his exact goal. And Olsen has been on such a drought and a scoring streak and just not playing well and just watching that just kind of mentally piled on for the the poor player i mean just watching somebody else while you're on the ice right behind the player take your exact shot and score it just had to be so depressing and disheartening for him and it's not all that funny for the player but just the situation very just right in front of him (laughs) just so sad so we'll move on to the wild card watch. This is also going to be a d- bit depressing. First spot is the New York Islanders, 66 games played, 74 points. They got Pittsburgh on Thursday. They're playing right now. And then Saturday, they got the Caps. Pittsburgh in the second spot, 63 games played, 73 points. Thursday, New York Islanders. Saturday, Philly. Sunday, New York Rangers. Huge weekend series for the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. You need them to lose a few of those games. Florida, 65 games played, 70 points. They got Chicago on Friday and the Jets on Saturday. Fourth place, Ottawa, 63 games played, 68 points. Thursday, Seattle. Saturday, Vancouver. Sunday, the Flames. You also need them to lose some games. Buffalo's in the fifth spot, 63 games played, 68 points. So as you can see, games in hand don't matter. You got to win them all. 
Six, uh, sixth place, Washington, 65 po- or games played, 68 points. They got New Jersey on Thursday night playing right now and Saturday versus the Islanders. So huge weekend series for all these teams. Buffalo has got to go on a ramp here, but they got uh, Dallas on Thursday that, like I said, they're losing three to one after one. And then they got Rangers on Saturday. Phil, it ain't getting any easier. Uh, I do have a question. How many games in throughout the season have the Sabres won in a row? Well, uh, I know you know the answer. Do you want to throw out the stat there? I honestly already forgot. I know one yeah, of the it's answers. Six, six is the most. <laughs> then one About time they six. won five in a row. And then I think it's two or three times they've won three in a row. So they've done it. They just need to do it again. So win six, lose one. Win five, lose one. Win three, lose one. Win three. No big deal. And then you're in playoffs. Yeah, I think that's more games than they have in hand. I, that's all right. No, we're gonna we got playoffs, bonus. But... We get bonus points. Oh, we get bonus games. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'll take it. Just against nobody. <laughs> but on our next show, we'll talk about the Dallas and the Rangers game. Hopefully, it's uh, better news than we were able to bring you today. I'm sorry, blame the Sabers. So we'll move on to the Buffalo Buttes before we dive into their final series of the season, the Isabel Cup has been officially announced. That is the championship series, one game take all. It's going to be March 26th in Arizona. And uh, Phil, my biggest issue, why are they just announcing it now? Three weeks to go. If it's Boston, if it's the Metro, or I'm sorry, uh, Minnesota, Connecticut, or Toronto, how are any of their fans or family going to be able to fly to Arizona? I love that it's in Arizona. I, I love that they are working with the Coyotes and getting the arena like that. But why wasn't this done before the season started? Like, similar to why wasn't the playoff series and scenarios worked out before the season started? I don't understand this. I think this is two years in a row, if I remember the, the tweet correctly. But I, I don't understand why some of these leagues just can't operate on a co- common-sense basis. Like, this is an awesome idea, and I love it. And I think it's going to grow the sport and the game. But why wasn't it done in October where then teams could have booked their flights early? Like, and then you can cancel if your team's not going. But to expect that place to be able to fill up three weeks in advance, it's just, it's a shame that this has happened. The only thing, and the other kind of bummer about it, I mean, Arizona's great, but like you just mentioned, some of those teams, Arizona's pretty far away for a lot of the top teams in the PLL. So they're fans are going to probably struggle making it all the way to Arizona. And again, I'm not against Arizona as a place to go play the championship, but just a lot harder for a lot of these northern East Coast teams to be making it all the way to Arizona on, right. like you said, a two-week notice. The only thing I can think of is because it's a lower league still or just not a massively popular, I don't know if scheduling a you know an arena that far in advance is allowed i I mean i would hope it is and i know the nll struggles with scheduling quite a bit and they have to have weird and goofy times that they play because they are lower on the list of what an arena wants to kind of play and have their time taken up for i mean for the most part they do a good job on fridays and saturdays a couple sundays whatever but for this league i don't know if it would be hard to book something that far in advance again i would hope not and I, I would assume it's okay but at the same time no offense to them but the buttes play you know at the amherst center it's not exactly a, a large bumping arena for them so maybe it is simply just that difficult to book something like this that far in advance i don't know either way it's not really a, a good excuse i think it's something that's going to need to be addressed and Find some, I mean, there's how many college arenas for hockey out there? How many, doesn't have to be professional if you don't need it to be. I mean, I know we want it as big as possible, but just something that, you know, is a little more than two weeks out for the championship being announced would be pretty nice. So find some way to make it at least two, three months in advance, you know, where this final is going to end up. If it does help, uh, Arizona doesn't even play in a NHL arena. They're that still is, playing in a college arena. That is arena. true. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we'll move on to the final series of the season for the Buffalo Buttes, Friday and Saturday versus the Metro. And I know they're called the Metropolitan Riveters, but it's just more fun to call them the Metro because uh, why not? Buffalo's coming in 5, 14, and 3 with 18 points. Metro 9, 13, and 0 for 24 points. So if the Buttes sweep them in the uh, in the uh, regulation, they'll uh, pass them and not finish in last. So the series is split right now 1-1. Riveters won 8-2 and Buffalo won 4-1. Riveters are coming in 
2.5 goals for 3.41 against Buffalo is very similar 2.1 goals for 3.96 against Phil. Let's uh let's hope for a sweep here man. Let's uh let's get him out of the basement and moving up the ladder. Yeah, honestly the the biggest thing for this one and I'm not saying that the Buttes by any means lost their love of the game, but both these teams are far out of playoffs. You're just looking toward next year and honestly it could just get scrappy for the end of the year that, like you said, you don't want to end up in the basement. But at the same time, you can just go out there and play hockey because you love the sport. You love the game. You have nothing to really worry about. Obviously, their jobs and things like that. But for the most part, I wonder if this game or this series is going to be just more free-flowing, kind of high-paced, high-action, exciting. The players just playing hockey because they love hockey. There's no stress of points. There's no stress of playoffs. Obviously, those stressors are pretty fantastic to have, but at the same time, right now, neither of these teams are really dealing with that. So I do wonder just what this kind of series is going to look like as far as, I mean, this is all for kind of a send off to your season. It's the last home ones for the Riveters, and it's just going to be an interesting, you know, send off in the next year. But I wonder if it will simply be just a little bit more free flowing and a little bit more, I don't want to say high energy, but just you know, more interesting. I don't know if there's me, I don't want to say like an all-star game, but that kind of feel where you're just take kind more of chances, right? Just take more chances, take more risks. Why not have fun, enjoy it. And just, you know, obviously you want to win. I'm not saying just throw it all away, but yeah, just what if we see more things that you're, you know, testing for next year, just, just more interesting ideas and options that maybe in a really tight, you know, close playoff race, you wouldn't want to take that risk or take that chance to screw something up. But in a game like this, you might just kind of freewheel it and go for it. Yeah, if they do sweep them in regulation, not only do they pass them, they will also pass Montreal and move all the way up to fifth place, which is one spot out of the playoffs. So from where they started, if they're able to do that, it's a heck of a final half of their season. It's uh They've been playing much better, so let's keep this up. Players to watch, Kelly Babstock, number 8, 9, 11, and 20. She is the leading point producer for their team. Amanda Pelkey, number 21, 4, 13, and 7. She's the distributor. Madison Parker, number 14, 9, 8, and 17. I don't know why I struggled saying 17, but I did. And uh, Sarah Bajuld. I think I nailed it, Phil. It sounded like I nailed it, and I'm going to say I nailed it. Number 16, leading goal scorer for the team, 10, 7, and 17. For the goalies, Katie Burt, 4, 5, with a 2.86 goals against and a 9.01 save percentage. We're going to hope for a backup. Rachel McQuiggy, I am saying I nailed that name too. 3 and 4 with a 3.59 goals against and an 8.83 save percentage. They get some good point producers on the four group. A uh, a really good goalie in Katie Burt, and uh, hopefully we don't see her back-to-back nights. Some of these names sound like they should be in the, a TV show with hockey, like McQuiggy and Burt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, they, I they just, like, one sounds like the or veteran. Or like a cop show? Cop show. Burt and McQuiggy. <laughs> that does it. Yeah, Burt McQuiggy on the case. very good cop show. Detectives or just straight cops? No, they're detectives. Okay. Dang it, McQuiggy! Get in here! I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a screenwriter. Don't, don't keep bringing that up. <laughs> but yes, they do have some good players to watch, like you said. I think, honestly, their star might be Katie Burt, who we just mentioned as a detective. With that 2.86 goals against 901 save percentage, both are really solid. And like you said, hopefully we don't see her back-to-back nights. Hopefully they throw McQuiggy in there, not saying anything too bad about her, but she is not quite up to the standards that Burt is or has been this season. And Babstock, obviously their number one leader with Parker, pretty close behind as far as goals go. And then Bejeweled and Pauke kind of rounding it out. I think, again, it's not a team that has a true number one dominant force. They're a little bit more spread out throughout their offense. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see who, who you kind of pick to shut down. I don't think they really have a number one you want to shut down. They have a few pretty good players, but no true ace like an MGM or a Newton in so far this year for the Buttes so kind of spread out and a little bit more tricky to defend but no true one player that can really take over the game so that kind of helps yeah and I mean this will be the fifth and the sixth time these two teams will see each other this year they faced twice in the preseason in October and Buffalo lost both of those but it'll also be interesting to see who Ray Code throws a net is it going to be Bernston is it going to be Ridgeway 
Hoffman we haven't seen in a while. So it'll be very interesting to see who she tosses out for the last series. Are they going to split it? Because last time I thought Bernston, after that Saturday performance where they lost in overtime, I thought she was going to get the net again on Sunday, but that went to Ridgewell. So it'll be very interesting to see who they go with. But Phil, I think for this series here, you got to get the pucks to the net. Like you said, this will be a game where you can be a little bit more creative, a little bit more free flowing, like you started this segment off with, because both of these teams are limited. Neither of them are playing for seeding for the playoffs. They're just playing for pride. They're playing for jobs. They're playing for their own, you know, a little bit selfish careers going here. I think they need to continue to be progressive on offense keep the offensive possession in the end because when you're doing that it's not going the other way you got to crash the net get those ugly goals you got one of them last week with summer ray dobson going to the net hitting it straight out of the air you, you need to get more of those ugly goals when the pucks are not going in the back of the net you got to crash the net and create those opportunities and then really no skaters behind the defense in the in the series last time last week against the force that's what really killed you I'm sorry. It was the whale last week. It was the fourth week before. It was. That's it, what really killed you last week. Is the defense was able to sneak behind you on that Sunday game and were able to capitalize. The force did it as well. So as long as you're being aware of your surroundings and you're not letting the forward group sneak behind you, I think they do a pretty good job of keeping the shots to the outside. They were doing that on the Saturday game versus the whale really well, and that's why the 48 shots were kind of like an asterisk. I know you still have to make the saves, but. A lot of them were outside. So if they play more like the Saturday rather than the Sunday game last week, I think you stand a very good chance to either take one or both of these games versus the Riveters. And like you mentioned, if they can find a way to jump up to fifth place, I know at this point right. it doesn't mean a ton, but it does mean a lot to next year and just kind of looking forward. And the second half building of the season was much better than the first half. This team was clearly building all season long. And if they can keep a lot of this core together not knowing who's going to come back next year, but if they can keep a lot of them together, then I think you have something really solid to build on. So Phil, BSC changes. You got Newton in, McPherson, Kepler, Kramer, and Healy. I have Mentis, Dobson, Maud, Dove, and Madzika. Are you making any changes to your BSC team in the final changes of the BSC Buttes season? I could go crazy, but I'm still trying to uh, hold on to my very slim Butte season lead. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to hold because I've had this team for quite a while now and they've treated me pretty well. They have. I'm going to also hold to my group as well. Final spot in this segment. We got some milestones that could be happening here with one more game. Cassidy McPherson will have played the most games for the Buffalo Buttes in the Buffalo Buttes sweater. Huge congratulations to her as long as she plays one more. With two more games played, which could be accomplished this weekend, Dominique Kramer will move into sixth place in games played in Buttes history. Claudia Clapper is currently in eighth place with the Buttes in history for 12 goals. Well, with 12 goals. With one more, she'll move into a tie for seventh. And with two more, she will move and have seventh place all to herself. MGM is tied for ninth with 10 goals for her Buttes career. With just one more, she'll move into ninth place all by herself. Cassidy McPherson is tied for seventh with 17 assists with the Buffalo Buttes. With one more, she'll move into a tie for sixth place. And with one more win, Rhea Code will pass Cody McCormick, who I have his jersey and have his signature, for third place with wins in Buffalo Buttes history. Some huge milestones that could be happening. And I know a lot of these might not seem like huge numbers, but... Got to remember, they only play 24 games this year. I think they only played 20 the year before. I think it was 18 or 16 the year before COVID. Plus, the league's only been around since 2015-16 season, I think it is. So, it's still in the growing stages. It's still a little baby league right now. Yeah, and to see some of these people really just climbing up a lot of these ranks. I mean, I know they just had the veteran night the other day. And I think a lot of these... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't know why I said veteran alumni night, and I think a lot of they're these vets. players, they're vets. yeah, they're vets. The vet, I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of these players are going to end up finding their way onto alumni nights when their careers are over as well, if yep. they continue to just kind of climb these milestone markers, as you have mentioned. So on our next show, we will discuss their final series, and uh, we'll maybe on that f- next show after that we'll do our uh, awards show. show. We'll try to squeeze it in I because I, I, a lot's happening next week. We're going to do it. So probably that, you know, following Monday or Friday show, we'll uh, do the awards for the Buffalo Buttes and uh, crown. And this will be the first year for him. So uh, make sure you're checking your mailbox daily 
after that award show. So we'll fill, we'll move on to the final segment here. The Buffalo Bandits, once again, back-to-back series versus uh, the Halifax Thunderbirds, except this time they're coming to Banditland. Nine and two on a five-game winning streak are the Buffalo Bandits. They're facing the five and six Halifax Thunderbirds. Buffalo coming in, fourth in the league at scoring at 13.18. Just ahead of them is Halifax, second in the league, 13.31. Goals against, that's the big difference difference here in between these two teams 10.46 which is good for third in the league for the buffalo bandits halifax 12.09 goals against which is ninth in the league for the thunderbirds and uh from now on i'm just going to call them the birds because it's easier yeah what is with uh halifax playing on friday what what do we yeah, i don't get it what is their issue with friday games there uh there's a lot and... saturday spookies Right, and I just went back just for funsies and looked at the, their previous games throughout the year, and there's so many on Fridays. They have so many Friday games, and one of them was against Buffalo. Again, they just they like playing us. I mean, that's three Friday games against Halifax. I don't I don't like this Friday nonsense that we got going on, but uh, it should be another really good battle. I don't know. I think the biggest thing, which again it has been. I, for what six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks now is just who's going to be in the lineup for the Buffalo Bandits, right. and we don't have the information yet. It usually comes out tomorrow, especially with the game. I would have kind of uh, that'd be nice if you know they did it a day early on Friday games would be nice. So at some point it'll come out later today. So when you're listening to this, you will know who is in the game, hopefully. But the biggest thing with the Bandits is simply just not knowing what their starting roster is going to look like and who is really going to be there. I mean, for me personally. There's one player I really want to see step up in this game. It's Nanako. Kind of mentioned it in my article last time that he got a huge goal in that last game and a really solid assist. I just want to see more consistency from him. We know he is incredibly talented, and just the ability that he has is almost unmatched in the entire league with what he can do. I think he's still just trying to learn in the sophomore season what kind of player he wants to be, whether that be assists, whether that be goals, whether that be a really physical player, a finesse player. He's got a little bit of everything, but right now he's using a little bit of everything. I just don't think he's really found what works best for him. I think that's something he's still working on, but I think he is going to be a massive part of this game. And honestly, Halifax is looking to essentially keep their playoff hopes alive. So this is going to be what I would imagine to be an extremely chippy game, especially after Halifax lost the last game. I mean, playing this team back-to-back, whether Halifax is in a playoff hunt or not is going to be rough, but with them and their season pretty much on the line in this game, it's going to be, I would imagine, real nasty. Yeah, especially with Nanakoke, I think he needs to figure out the adjustment he needs to make to the league adjusting to him from his rookie season, and as soon as he does that, sky's the limit for him. But yeah, the Buffalo Bandits are looking for the sweep of the Halifax Thunderbirds this year, and uh, they won the first game at home on the New Year's Eve Eve game, which we're still waiting for our royalties, Buffalo Bandits, uh, anytime now, we'll send you our address. But they won that. I won 18-13. It was tied 8-8 half. Then they took on a uh, 10-5 second half lead. And uh, I said this all on the last show, on uh, the last Friday show. So if stop me if you've heard it before. But Friday, they were down 5-4 to four at half. Once again, down again, and uh, they won ten to six or ten to nine. Here are some of the stats between the two games for some of the players that have been playing. Dane has played in both of them: six goals, ten assists, sixteen points. Byrne only played in one. He's got seven goals, five assists, twelve points. Nanakoke, three, two, and five. Bucky one, five, and six. McKay four, three, and seven. Vino a lot of saves, man. Uh, keep it up. You've been standing on your head and net. Always do it. Face us first time, twenty-eight to seven. Second time around, twelve to seven. It'll be interesting to see if Withers makes any adjustments on Adler, or Adler can you know keep doing what he did last game. Banesh four four and eight on the two-game series between the two teams. Pedersen two seven and nine. Shanks two three and five. Bushi they've been really good against Bushi. Three goals, three points. Stats. 5, 8, 13. He's been the one that's been killing them. Bow Hunter, 1, 2, and 5, or I'm 1, 2, and 3. And then Jamison, 4, 5, and 9. So with the high powered offense that the Halifax Thunderbirds have that anybody can score at any given time or distribute at any given time, I think the Buffalo Bandits defense has done a heck of a job only allowing one person in two games combined to see double digit points. I think they've been doing a amazing job and I think they need to do that once again on Friday tonight because who knows what the offense is going to look like yeah and honestly I don't want them to adjust anything they've done against this team so far I don't want them to adjust to Banesh or Stats because they you know both have 
13 points. I mean, Stotts has 13 points, and Banesh with the four goals is, you know, second highest compared to Jameson, but I don't want them to really shift their focus to those players all of a sudden because that is who has done well in the two games. I really want them to just continue playing how you're playing. I mean, if those players get theirs and you're going to be able to hold that team to only nine goals, I could care less who scores those nine goals. I mean, if you can hold this team again under double digits, it would be extremely impressive. And if that is the way that their defense and Vince can keep playing, then I don't want them to change a thing. I would assume with the back-to-back games, I mean, both teams are probably going to try to make adjustments to each other on offense and defense. So it'll be interesting to see what Halifax kind of comes out with and to see if how much they change their approach compared to the Bandits defense. And I think in a game like this, especially being back-to-back, those halftime adjustments are going to be huge. And it's something we've seen the Bandits do really well all season long. Yeah, I actually wouldn't be very shocked, and I know we'll get into our predictions in a little bit here, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's a very low-scoring first half, similar to like the first game, because this is going to be the third time these teams have faced each other in three months. Well, three in a few days, like three in two weeks, I think it is. But it'll be, I, I think... They're going to use the first half to kind of just, I think it's going to be a hard hitting first half similar to what we saw on Friday. And I think a lot, I don't think you're going to see both teams kind of get in their groove until the second half. They're going to make adjustments to what they're seeing on the field. And I think that's when you're going to see more of the scoring. I could honestly see it being like a 3-2 first half. I, I could see it a 4-3 first half, something very low scoring where it's going to be the defensive end that's really going to come to play. And then I think the team's kind of going to wear down on the style of play that they're doing, figure it out and move to a more of a offensive game, especially because, I mean, that's what the Buffalo Bandits are going to have to do if they have the same lineup that they had on Friday, uh, last Friday, because they're, <laughs> they are pulling anybody they can out of the closet. It's, it's been rumored that Chase Frazier is going to be coming back, but it's been rumored for what a month and a half now that Josh Byrne was going to play in that, that <laughs> Philly game that he was going to play in the next week game that he was going to play in the next week game after that. That's why you never trust the player when they said they're going to play. So it, you just got to wait and see what the, what it's going to play out with, because I guess the one benefit Phil is when the injury report comes out later today and we'll put it on the social media sites once again because that's just what we do and uh I whatever but I think you're going to see who's ruled out real quickly. I don't think you're going to see very many questionable players because they're going to know going into that game, hey, is this player ready to go or is this player not ready to go? So you're not going to have to wait that 24 hours to wait until that Saturday game. So I guess that's the one benefit of the Friday game. You don't have that anxiety of oh man, okay. Josh Byrne got put back on the active roster, but he's still questionable. Is he going to be playing? Who? What's going to be happening here? Chris Cloutier, still out. Okay. Jo- or Chase Frazier, questionable. You're not going to see any of that. You're going to need to see, you know, not on the injury report or out. And I think that's the way, at least, it'll cobble, calm a lot of people's nerves. I think it'll be interesting to see if they, again, we have no idea what his situation or status is, but if Fraser is able to go, if they allow Byrne to sit again, because then essentially Fraser would, I would assume, slot in for Solver or anyone else they might have added on the back end. I know McKenzie played recently, so I mean, I don't know if they We need a lefty healthy. (laughs) Right, but I mean, I think Solver would be the immediate pull... And even though he did play well and has played well the entire time that he gets called upon, but I think he would be the quick pull. And then your other side, you just wouldn't do anything with again. I mean, Brandon Robinson also being out. I mean, obviously somebody else could slot in over there. And then again, I think they've had extra defense because they keep pulling defense to offense, which has been interesting and somehow working with Robinson, Dylan getting, you know, another goal and McKay just putting in hat tricks like it's absolutely nothing and makes it look easy and probably is, I would assume, having a lot of fun talking to his teammates like Byrne and, you know, saying why you guys always complain about scoring when I can do it (laughs) with this much ease as a uh, transition defender. So (laughs) I'm sure he is Loving this season, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what their roster looks like. And one of the things that I did notice, and I wish I would have put it in the article, the thing that Solver does that I absolutely love that I wish the Bandits would simply do more often. I think Byrne was someone who does it quite a bit. Buchanan does it, but he just doesn't get a lot of opportunities is extremely quick shots. Solver, every single time I watched him and he got a pass, it didn't really matter where he was on the field. He was immediately shooting and he almost scored multiple times because the goalie does not have that opportunity to set up. And that is one thing I think the Bandits offense, and again, 
they are beyond hurting. So it simply might be the fact that these players are just not used to that kind of offense. But I think that's something right now that they are missing on offense is just those really quick passes and not allowing the goalie to set up just left or right, take that quick shot the second you have it. I think they haven't really seen a lot of that kind of style of shooting, and Solver did it a lot last game, and he came extremely close multiple times to putting one in. That's a great point, because I remember last year when we were talking about this team, how many of those, and I know, I think Chris Cloutier was on the receiving end of it a lot, where it was just the the laser pass across from Dane Smith to whoever's playing on that other side, and it was just dunk goals. It was pretty much like the equivalent of one-timers, and you haven't really seen that, so I, I love that idea phil but i the we've given a lot of credit to the team the the players that have been filling in and the the dane smith who's been putting the team on his back i don't think we've given enough credit to dane or johnny Tavares, who's what he's been doing with this four group this mismatched patchwork together four group that he's been doing i know that the players and i know we said this after the championship last year where you can only do so much as a coaching staff then it comes down to the players actually executing on the field so there's only so much he can do coaching wise, but to keep this team on a five game winning streak, nine and two right now, where you're not having to rush some of these players back. You're not having to rush Chris Cloutier back. You're not having to rush Josh Byrne back. You're not having to rush Chase Frazier back. You're able to have them sit because this team just somehow keeps winning. But I, I think that this is one of the best coaching jobs I've seen considering the circumstances that he's in. Colorado's going through the same injuries from the four group. They're sitting at five and five, and I think the Eastern Conference is tougher than the Western Conference. That's not a shot at the Western Conference. I don't get to watch a ton of their games because late at night, it's past my bedtime. But I think the job that Johnny T has been doing, he doesn't get enough credit for with what he the team has been going through. And I know you still got Matty Vince in the pipe. You're, you're still going to be able to stand and have a winning record when he's between the pipes, regardless of what your team's looking like. But the job he's doing... And the fact that some people were calling for his head earlier in the year just shows that a lot of times we don't know what the heck we're talking about. At least we get to pat ourselves on the back on this time, Phil. Uh, we weren't calling for his head. We were calling those people dumb. Yeah, I mean, he's essentially a AAA coach right now with the way that people are getting called up, sent down, moved around. This person's injured. This person's out. And not only that, but like... Half the time, it's in-game adjustments where the one game, they lost, what, three forwards during the game? And even last game, I know McCauley went out for a little bit. So it's finding a way to weather this insane storm. And, I mean, as Bandit's followers for a long time, I don't think we've seen ever, I mean, that we've been following an injury bug like this that the team has had to really deal with. And, again, like you kind of mentioned, it's all pretty much on one side and one position it's not offense, it's not defense, it's not, you know, a mix of both, it's not lefties and righties, it's just lefty forwards can't stay healthy at all, and finding ways to deal with that is not easy, and just the job he's done and pulling certain, you know, defenders up to be offense, and then being able to coach them through trying to play offense, and I know, you know, when you're growing up, everyone plays a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense, I know, like we mentioned, McKay, I think, has the school record in Vermont for goals for a forward, so it's not like he is... Not used to this, but at the same time, he's played a lot of his, all of his career as a defender slash transition for the NLL. So just switching back to offense, I'm sure he is good at shooting as he's proven, but it's not the easiest, you know, switch to just flick back on in an NLL type game and situation. So the job that Johnny has been able to do as a coach, like you mentioned, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit. I mean, Toronto and Rochester right now, both teams, from what we understand, are pretty healthy, and yet somehow the Bandits are the ones sitting at 9-2 and two and number one in the East. Suck it, Rock. I know I called <laughs> them to win it all, but, you know, suck it. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I, it'll, it's going to be a big question mark to see who's even playing tonight. But the other thing, John Gertler, who writes the articles and is the play-by-play for the radio network for the Buffalo uh, Bandits, um, he said that the trade deadline is on the 12th. I saw Teddy Jenner say it's on the 20th. I don't know which is true, but reading Gertler's article, it doesn't sound like uh, Dietrich is going to be adding anybody back to this. He's pretty much said that the additions at the trade deadline are going to be getting guys like Byrne and Frazier and Cloutier back from injury. So he said it's more going to be future pieces. And when those players get back pending no more injuries, 
it's going to be a log jam. So I can see him moving some pieces out the door for future picks or something like that, unless he can open up more wizard wizardy stuff and have people go on the holdout list. And you still got two, no, three more spots because they haven't sent back down Sam LaRue yet. Three spots on the rookie ro- or rick practice spot that they can still do. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the roster looks like after the deadline, whether it's the 12th or the 20th. But Phil, we'll move on to the predictions. You got to give me your scores for tonight's game in Banditland. What do you have as the final score for Buffalo Bandits versus Halifax 3.0? I'm going to keep it close. Uh, I, I hope that the offense is back and looking a little bit healthier, which could completely change this prediction by a lot. But for right now, I'm going to go... 12-10, Bandits win it. Dang it, Phil, we still have never done it. I thought we were going to do it. <laughs> well, I got him 12-11. Ooh, all right. I wanted to give him a little bit more breathing room because we have to watch it, so I like that extra goal in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, last home game, it was the Philly overtime one, and oh, I was jumping gosh. up and down and almost fell down the stairs. I was also so, yeah, that's well, you don't have stairs right in front of you. I do. And, no. uh, yeah, my foot went, and I flew backwards, and I caught myself. So let's keep it. You know, where it's 11-11. No, let's do it 12-11 and Vince makes the final save so I don't have to jump up and down and almost fall down the stairs. But, yeah, they uh, Phil, they only got seven more games after this, and uh, four of them are home games. It's, uh, it's going to well, be a fun. Starting end. now. I shouldn't say after this, but, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun time. So, Phil, we'll move on to our milestones here. We got a few of them. Ian McKay is three points away from 100 for his career. I normally wouldn't do this, but since he's playing playing up on the forward, I have to. He would be the 36th bandit to ever record 100 points in the black and orange. Dane Smith is 12 shots away from 1,500 for his career. I know earlier we had uh, him pass 1,400. Well, he's got, what, like 115 shots for his season so far, so he's 12 away from 1,500. C. Prillo, two cause turnovers away from passing Chris Corbeil for fourth place in NLL history with 232. If he plays, Chase Frazier is three shots away from passing Mitch Jones for seventh place in Bandits history. Max Adler is 17 faceoff attempts away from passing Nick Weiss for sixth place in Bandits history. I can see Nick Weiss, you know, 16 away for uh, if he gets 16 and then Nick Weiss is just going, sit your butt on the bench. I got it the rest of the game. Dane Smith is currently at 60 assists. Buckle up here, Phil. That's good for 10th most in a single season for the Buffalo Bandits. With one, he will move into a tie for ninth at 61. With two, he'll move into a tie for eighth at 62. With four, he'll move into a tie for seventh with 64. With five, he'll move into a tie for sixth with 65. With six, he'll move into a tie for 10th with 66. Yes, I know typically players don't get eight and 10 assists, but it's Dane Smith. He might. With eight, he'll move into a tie for third with 68. And with 10, he'll move into a tie for second with 70. He's currently averaging 5.4 assists a game. I know he only had two last week, so he's due for a lot. Now, here comes for the points. Just He, he doesn't stop, Phil. If you want me to stop with these milestones, he's got to stop being so good. He's currently at 87 points. That's good for 20th most points in a single season for the Buffalo Bandits. With one, he'll move into a tie for 19th at 88. Three, move into a tie for 18th at 90. Five, move into a tie for 17th at 92. Six, Tie for 16th at 93. Seven, tie for 14th at 94. With eighth, him with eight, he'll move into a tie for 13th at 95 or 95 points. He's currently averaging 7.91 points a game. And uh, depending on what this team looks like, he could have a 14-point game. Mitch Jones just had it for the Philly last Saturday. So it's possible. It's in the cards for him. He's uh once again, I think we do this every time we have this one episode like this. Uh he's really good at lacrosseville. Yeah, I hope for his sake, and by his sake, I mean the Bandit's sake and his sake of just breaking his own personal records that also happen to be the NLL single season records, that he gets a little bit healthier offense so he can uh, start dialing those points back up a notch. I mean, last game, Halifax did a really good job, but, you know, you can't stop Dane from being Dane. So eventually he kind of took over and scored some goals all by his lonesome and then threw in a couple assists for good measure, but hopefully... He gets a little bit of his supporting cast back that he is used to having and can kind of get back to that, uh, what, 9, 10, 11, 12 points per game that he loves to have. I'm also hoping he gets a lot of assist in this one, so it narrows down how many of these I have to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> The, the that's list fair. of how many I got to say will shrink with the amount of assist he gets. But Phil, surprise, last one, PK's hot corner, haven't done it yet. 
So uh, I like making enemies of people in Western New York, apparently. Uh, I think last week's was the Ice Cube, right? Uh, maybe. I, I don't remember I what it was last two weeks, weeks ago. They always, it was two weeks ago? I don't remember what last week's was. Oh, last week was uh, um, Max Adler, 30% yes. face-up yes, dot. Yes, it was. And, and uh, it. he did really good. So I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, you gave I'm him motivation. Roll right now. I am. Well, uh, this one's not sports-related. I guess it can be. I don't actually believe people in Western New York and the majority of people, that is, prefer blue cheese over ranch. I believe there's a large group of people out there that actually prefer ranch over blue cheese, but they're either too afraid to admit it, or they have just adapted their bodies to feel this way. On top of that, on top of just, you know, people thinking blue cheese is so much far superior to ranch, I think they just do it because that's what Buffalo is known for and Western New York is known for. On top of all of that, even if you just prefer blue cheese to ranch, if you have to be dipping your wings in a side of sauce, they aren't good wings. Wings alone should be a standalone thing. You shouldn't have to add stuff to it. It should already be good enough because they're already adding sauces to chicken wings. So on top of even if you want to just exclude the ranch and blue cheese, if you're dipping your wings in anything, it's not a quality wing. You got to go shop elsewhere for your chicken wings. All right, so there's like 9,000 holes to this. Little, Go ahead. I'll patch them. Yeah, hot corner theory. First off, at the Bandits games, uh, they do the blue cheese and ranch thing, and I feel like I blue cheer. cheese I cheer is, for ranch. Yeah, but I feel like blue cheese is so much louder than ranch. But again, is that because people just feel that way, or do they actually feel that way? Like, is it just ingrained in their brain that they have to choose for blue cheese? Is it like from a young age, you're you're taught you have to hate Toronto, you have to hate Boston, all those kind of things. You have to hate New England and Miami and all that. Is it just ingrained in their brain that they have to feel that way, or do they actually feel that way? All right, so for me personally, I do like blue cheese over ranch as far as wings go. I don't know if I would say blue cheese over ranch for like, a salad dressing or something like that. I think, I, I mean, I still, I like ranch in general. It's still a good, a good dip and a good dressing. But when it does come to wings, I do prefer blue cheese. And the other issue, I, I don't know if, I mean, I, I have eaten plenty of wings without any kind of sauce whatsoever. Well, obviously not plain. I'm not an, an animal, but. Uh, That'd be a psychopath. Yeah, no, I, I don't know who does that. But yeah, like you're saying, just with the. Sauce you ordered them in, if they're saucy enough. I've done that plenty of times without dipping separately. But at the same time, I don't know if you can fault anyone for dipping. Because, I mean, if you got, like, chicken fingers, they're great on their own. But if you dip them in something, it takes it to that other level. And same with, you know, french fries. You know, french fries are amazing. But if you dip it in ketchup, it takes it to another level. So, I mean, you can eat them plain. And by plain, I still mean with whatever sauce that they come with. But I think just dipping it can just add to the already awesome wing that you have. I can sort of get behind that. It's if you have to dip it for you to be able to eat the chicken wing, don't support that establishment. Uh, This isn't a shot at like small businesses or anything like that. I don't want to get in more trouble than I'm already (laughs) at. But if they're not good wings, stop supporting them, and then they'll change their ways to make better chicken wings for you. It's just I don't think it it should be an add-on. It shouldn't be a necessity that you have to do it. Like a, a booster, a booster to your already great wing. If you want to take it to another level, you can add blue cheese. But yeah, I do agree that you shouldn't have to have blue cheese in order to eat your wing. That's not right. that's not what we're going for. And this isn't like I I am fully aware that there are people. I'll even believe you here, Phil. I'm not even gonna try to talk you out of it. I believe you when you say you prefer blue cheese over ranch for your chicken wings. I I'll believe you because Although I we've don't been doing like this. gigantic pieces of blue cheese i don't yeah the chunks yeah, but that's no. the that's the price you got to pay for the blue cheese right i am believing you here phil we've been friends longer than we've been doing the show i'll believe you I, if you're lying to me then you're a good liar but i just say that there are more people than they like to lead on that actually prefer ranch over blue cheese they're just too afraid to admit it or like i said their body has just been adjusted to saying hey you're supposed to like blue cheese more than ranch. Just is just why you make it feel that way. It's just I think there's more people out there than they like to let on to believe. Yeah, I feel like the the ratio in Buffalo is probably not quite as ninety ten as uh, I think like it's more said, sixty forty. I could I could probably get behind a sixty forty, maybe a sixty five thirty five somewhere in there. I feel like that's a more realistic range. Uh, yeah, that's all I'm I, saying. Just be honest fair. with yourself. That's fair. 
but if I'm calling I am being, you yeah, out, everybody out there. Yeah, if I am being honest, I do like blue cheese over ranch for wings. Okay. Well, I'll, like I said, I'll I'll choose to believe you. But Phil, is there anything else you want to add to the show before we shut it down and head off to Bandit Land for hopefully being the first team to hit double digit wins on the season? I I was just going to keep going on my blue cheese rant. So no, I'm good. I'm all good. <laughs> okay, that, that's good. So uh, I guess at the game you can try to you know it's it's apparently it's beach season, but we don't get a towel. Yeah, please be careful. Uh, yeah, I mean first off, I would like to get towel also uh, if anyone listens to this before the game i believe there is some kind of outdoor hockey game between colleges yes so go early so yeah i think that's Uh, niagara and canisius the harbor center yes so i think that's at 6 p.m so i mean the parking obviously when you first arrive it'll be full so it's not like you're gonna be fighting those people to park but they will already be parked so parking will be tough so get there early also get there early to get a towel that we have to pay for for some reason, and also be careful of not having too many beach balls on the field because we don't want a penalty. Yeah, this is not a, a podcast okay, that though. shames the beach balls. Yeah, you no, can have as no, many no. beach yeah, balls yeah. as you want. That's, we just shame yeah. the wave. That's all we do. But uh, that's true. Which is yeah. oh, that's definitely going to be there tomorrow. That's that's definitely a beach thing. I know. I'm preparing for it. That's uh, why the score is so close, Phil, and it's going to drive me nuts. And that's one of the reasons <laughs> I'll stay in my seat. My hands will not go above my head. But on our next show, we will talk about this game that is going to be happening tonight in Banditland: Halifax versus the Buffalo Bandits. Hopefully, Bandits ride out six-game winning streak and double-digit wins. We'll talk about the Buttes final series versus the Metro Riveters. And then we'll talk about the two Sabres games. And then, you know, free agency is starting up with the Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, God, Phil, I almost did it again. I, I made it to the final, final closing. St- I got to stop doing these closings. Uh, but uh, the Buffalo Bills, free agency is starting up next week. So maybe we'll start talking about the Bills again. It's uh, been a while and uh, I'm happy because they don't deserve to be talked about right now. But Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Visit our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, bye bye